Hi, and welcome to the Alka Hunt Podcast, the podcast that says the clock makes a tick before the big hand moves. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And tonight is our 10th episode. Woohoo! Double digits. Look at us go. Thanks for hanging out with us for this long. And if you're new, welcome. Uh, we like to drink. We like to talk. Hopefully you like to listen. We're good at both. Better at some than others. I don't know. Buffalo is our catchphrase. Buffalo. You're welcome for that. And if you don't know what a buffalo is, you're going to have to read our backlog of podcasts. And if you do know, well, here's a, a audio gold star. So tonight, I believe it's your turn to go first. It is. What uh, have you got for us? We are having a blast from the past. Ooh, Encino Man? Not, well, it could tie in, actually. Well, wasn't... Wasn't Brendan Fraser in Blast from the Past and Encino Man? He was. Wow. Look at me go. <laughs> um, inspiration struck for me this time for my topic. Because we live in a small town in the middle of nowhere. And our internet provider went out. Yay. And we don't have dish or anything. So you either get your local channels that we get spotty on our antenna depending upon the weather. Or, yes, especially since the digital television conversion. Yes. Or, which ties into my topic also. Nice. Or you can watch DVDs or VHS tapes. What about what about your Laserdisc or your Betamax? We'll get into those. I still have a Betamax tape. <laughs> it's Star Wars. For real. That's probably worth some money. No. It's a dubbed copy. It's, you know, recorded off television probably. I'll bet the commercials on there would be sweet. I have found, (laughs) with the fact that we have four children, that DVDs do not last long in our house. No. And we do not have a Blu-ray player. Yeah, we do. Well, we don't have Blu-ray discs. Like, we we do DVDs. Yeah, but we have some Blu-ray discs, too. We do. But I don't like even letting the kids use those, because... They're tougher than DVDs. I love the VHS tapes because you can practically throw those things across the house and they still most of the time work. Yeah, you're right. They're pretty durable. So I'm being nostalgic tonight and talking about VCRs. Yay. An obsolete technology. Not that obsolete. It isn't, but it was a very short-lived run for them. They were actually only around for being a big time thing for 50 years which 50 years sounds like a long time but how but i mean that's more than half the life of television right i didn't look how long television's been around that debuted at the like 30s world's fair so i mean not 100 years old yet i don't think so that's that's pretty good um The first video recording device was made by the Ampex Corporation, and they developed the VRX-1000 in 1956. Oh, yeah, the VRX-1000. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) It used a rotating head design to record video and audio onto a magnetic tape, but it had a very hefty price tag with it. $50,000 in that time. I could see that. And to top it all off... 
do you have the year? 1956. 1956. That was was commercial, though. That wasn't for, like, at your house, was it? It wasn't. The price tag for this being $50,000. That's pretty prohibitive for 1950s. And to top it all off, the rotating heads required a skilled operator and only lasted for a few hundred hours before you had to replace the unit. I think that was probably partially because of the kind of magnetic tape that they used. Um. People who actually bought this were like television networks at right. the time, and it was a huge thing for them because they were able to record it and no longer have to do live broadcasts to update the weather, the news, the little shortcuts in between things. Right, and they could play back the Dick or the American Bandstand and stuff, I suppose. Yes. Um. Video recording devices didn't actually hit the home market until 1965 when Sony came out with the CV2000. Yeah, Sony. It was a reel-to-reel device format, but it could only record in black and white. Of course, because you couldn't get a Technicolor video recording device at the time. No. The first VHS system was invented by the JVC company and introduced in Japan in 1976, and it didn't come to the U.S. market until about a year later. Sony was also from Japan. Um, The early years, there were a bunch of competitors, but in the end, the two main competitors were the Sony's Betamax technology versus JVC's VHSs. Little side note, I listened to another podcast called Tech Stuff, and they did a whole history of Sony, and actually the magnetic tape inside, the the version that we did use here up until recently was actually pioneered by Sony, that version of the magnetic tape. Really? Because the previous stuff was really flimsy and it broke pretty easy. Sony had a lot to do with the innovations in the VCR world. And the whole Betamax VCR thing was a big deal. And it wasn't just Sony and, and No, those were the JVC. two main ones. Yeah. There was a whole list of different companies. And the same thing, I think, happened with uh, the DVDs and the Blu-rays. Yes. Well, you go ahead and continue. Sorry. I didn't actually research too much into the whole DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc. Laserdisc came out way before either of those. Um, they did, and they weighed almost 10 pounds apiece. They were big. I I knew someone growing up that had one, but I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. They are big. They were. But I decided to stick with the VHS since that's what I was researching. Fair enough. Um, Sony's Betamax had a jump on the market as it was unveiled to the public in 1965. Um, the Sony SL... 8200 for Betamax was facing off against the JVC's Vidstar VCR for VHS cassettes. One sounds like a robot and one sounds like an 80s wrestler. Here comes Vidstar! And Sorry. both of these things were incompatible with the other. I said 80s wrestler. <laughs> you love the wrestling. Well, there's there's another wrestler that I'd like to mention. His name Triple is. H! There we are. There, we worked it in, thankfully. VHS actually came out on top, though, with consumers. I'm not even a big Triple H fan. It just is here now. (laughs) 
And they actually won out because it could record longer time and it was a lower price tag than the Betamax. Well, I remember when I purchased my first camcorder and it had three settings, I think. It had like slow play, extended play, and long play. And that would just control how fast the the little wheels inside that rolled the tape up would run it. And you would have to set the older VCRs up for which kind of tape it was. Otherwise, it would talk like this. It would go really slow. Well, you said earlier that you had a Betamax copy of... Right. Did anyone in your family yeah. have a Betamax machine? Yes, my, my parents had a Betamax machine. I've never actually seen a Betamax in person. Really? Yeah. I, I'm sure it's long gone because, you know, I mean... It was obsolete technology pretty soon after I was born, really. But I remember watching a few things on it. I don't remember a lot. But most of them were like what someone would record and give us. And that's all there was to it. I mean, it was pretty much like a VCR, really. (laughs) I think it loaded from the top, though. It did from the pictures I saw when I was researching. It looked more like a tape deck type thing. Yeah. Well, it would it would pop out and up. It was like uh, you know when R two D two pops a little scopey thing out. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that, but it kind of came forward when it did it, if I remember right. I just find it amazing. You know, I've heard of Betamax and everything, but I've never seen one in person, and Not. I doubt I ever will. Oh, you'll see one on, like some sort of, well, like at some craft fair or something. Somebody will turn a Betamax into a Baymax or something. Like, this is Big Hero 6000! <laughs> the VHS had its heyday in the 1980s and 1990s. Pre-recorded videotapes were widely available for purchase and rental, and blank tapes were sold for making your own recordings, which I am going to touch a little bit on the whole rental there. You, you want a little, little bit of trivia about the tapes? Sure. About your pre-recorded tapes versus the ones you can record over? If you ever look at them... In the corners on the back side, the side that would have the label on it when, it when you write on your home video, there's plastic tabs there. And the ones that you purchase with a movie on it, those tabs will be removed. That's the way the VCR could know when you push the record button. It wouldn't record over something without the tabs. But if it didn't have the tabs removed, you could record over it. So let's say you've got an Indiana Jones tape that you got from the Blockbuster you put it in there, you're like, oh, Miss America 1992 is on. Yes, I need this. You push the record and nothing will happen. But if you got a piece of tape out and you covered up at that spot where that piece was removed, you could tape right over Indiana Jones. <laughs> I'm glad you actually mentioned Blockbuster because I'm going to touch on that. Um, they were founded in October on October 19th, 1985. And they were actually we have bought... to go back. <laughs> They were bought out April 16th of 2011 by the Dish Network. And there are actually still 12 stores remaining today. Where in the world? Good question, because it's the whole world that there's 12 blockbusters left. Well, I imagine there's none in Antarctica. So that eliminates a big chunk. (laughs) I don't know. I can remember Blockbuster, though. It was huge. I remember it, too. When, now there when is you were in box. college, we had us a card, and we did. We went ahead and watched some of them moving picture shows. And it wasn't even just Blockbuster; there were other. Oh, absolutely! Lots of rental things, and it was a huge thing. In you, fact, 
our local grocery store still rents Oh, and there's gas DVDs. stations all over. Anything that's not Redbox qualifies under that umbrella that Blockbuster started. Yep. Most in-home VCRs were equipped with a television broadcast receiver for TV reception and pro and a programmable clock, so you could record your favorite shows even if you weren't home. Or, if you were wanting to watch two shows at once, you could record one and still watch yep. your program on... You could watch CBS and record ABC, and no one would be the wiser. Now that's been replaced with DVR. Yep. Um, in the early 1980s, the U.S. film companies actually fought to suppress the VCR, citing copyright violations. But the Supreme Court ruled that the device was allowable for private use. And film companies actually found out that making and selling VHSs of their products had actually become a major source of income for the movie networks. Well, I'm sure, and not just VHSs. I mean, thinking about, you know, a little farther ahead in history, you know, think about all the cult movies that, you know, you love. Like, example, Boondock Saints. Yep. Nobody saw that in the theater that I know. I didn't even know that was a movie to everybody watch it. everybody that I know that has seen it says it's a phenomenal film. Why didn't we see this in the theater? The, I think the at-home DVD uh, VHS market really gave a lot of movies the leg up that they needed. And now there's absolutely horrible movies out there. Oh, there always were horrible movies. The DVDs and DVD players started becoming very popular in the early 2000s. And in June of 2003, DVD rentals exceeded VHSs. That's because of the main menu where you had bonus features. You could do trivia about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and nobody knew what you were doing. You didn't have to get on your dial-up and try to figure out those little Oh, the dial-up. Get off the phone! I'm trying to get on the internet. Or vice versa. The major downfall was when the Federal Communications Commission mandated that effective March 1st, 2007, all new TV tuners in the U.S. be ATSC tuners, otherwise known as HDTV. Encouraging major electronic makers to end production of standalone units because you couldn't program your VHS recorder to record on channel 81 right 8283 well that's when the uh, digital television from analog happened too when you had to have a converter box if you didn't have a more modern television and from that point on it was kind of like the VCR was on its way out because you couldn't get broadcast signals with your VCRs anymore you couldn't the very last VCR was manufactured in July of 2016 in Japan, actually, from the Fune Electric Company. Pune? Fune? Oh, Fune. F-U-N-A-I. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that brand at all. But they were the very last company to manufacture a standalone VCR. So do you think that it's going to be like vinyls? Where, where uh, you know... 15, 20 years down the road, people are like, the image quality is so much better, the sound quality is so much better. Probably not, because you know the popping and tracking and all that with the magnetic tape. But still, there is a certain 
nostalgia aspect to it. Well, as I said earlier, I prefer the VHS tapes with our children. They're oh, yeah. easier for them. They can stack them on top of the entertainment center and they don't get ruined. They don't get fingerprints on them and get caught in a loop or freeze up or any weird images that I've seen that I want to unsee. And I do have a stockpile of people's old DVD VHS players that the DVD quit working, but the VCR still works. And I'm like, hey, I'll take that because the only way you can buy one now is if you pay lots of money to have one of them that converts it over to DVDs. Right. Actually, you know, there's all sorts of little little uh, accessories for VHSs now that I'm thinking about it. I remember my parents had a head cleaner which was like a, a tape that you'd stick in there and it would I remember those. Supposedly clean the deal and I'd torn several apart when I was younger because being, You tore lots of things apart. Well when they quit working you I wanted to know still tear things apart. So oh man how to describe this. Okay so inside your VCR picture your tape and I know you can't a Fantasia, folks. Yeah. If you want to learn about that. It's real. Yeah. That's something totally different. Okay, so when you put your tape inside the VCR, it slides down and it goes into the slot. And then the front flap flips up and there's two pieces of metal that stick up through that tape part. They're just tall enough to reach inside the tape after it flips up and spreads it out. And it holds it against the, the readers, the head units. And then there is a silver wheel that actually... I think it's a tensioner, and it runs this thing. What's crazy to me is that as this tape is going, just like an audio cassette, the side from when you press play, when it's all rewound, is very large. And the the other side is very small. The wheel is, okay? So this wheel over here on the right, the empty spool, is turning at one speed. And it's just a gear ratio. And the big wheel only has to turn so much. And when you get to the middle of the tape, it's the only time they're turning the exact same speed. But then, as you get towards the end of the tape, the big wheel is going around much faster on, on the outside. The outside, the speed is faster, so it makes the small wheel turn faster till the end of the tape. And the fact that it can stay consistent, does that, does that not blow your mind? I would never be able to come up with that. I can remember my parents with their cleaner one that they had. There was a little well, tube of liquid that you squirted into the tape that's gross. went into the VCR right. to clean it. But I was talking about the actual tapes themselves, how the wheels can be turning at two different speeds almost all the time. There's one instance. I can be honest with you. I've never thought about it before. You pop it in and it works. When you first start your movie, the tape is going across the heads much slower than when you finish the movie. That's what I'm saying. I also remember nostalgic-wise... My grandpa had the VC- VHS tape rewinder separate from oh, the VCR. Yes. His was a race car. I've seen those. I've seen the race car ones. It could rewind so much faster than the actual VHS player. Right, because you were in a hurry. You couldn't take the time to rewind it. i got to put another movie in. I need to see Weekend at Bernie's too. I need to know what happens. Good times. okay riddle me this batman what do you call the start of the day and the end of the day morning and night one word for both 
Twilight? No, I didn't ask you what you call sparkly vampires and werewolves. <laughs> Actually, no. The word you're looking for is midnight. That very small instance at 12 a.m. when it's when the clock switches from 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. That is midnight. When it's 12 a.m. on the clock, midnight's already passed. I know where you're going with this. You do. It's midnight, middle of the night. Oh, oh no! Actually, yes and no, but no. Uh, this all started with a conversation with my five-year-old, as usual, because he's a deep thinker. And I got to the question that he asked me. He doesn't even drink. A little later on. But we're going to start here at the top of the day. So, 12 a.m. and a.m. is anti-meridium and p.m. is post-meridium. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Again, I didn't know what those actually stood for. Um, basically, uh, before midday and after midday. So, we'll get there. Well, it should be there are, BM and AM then, shouldn't it? There are now, right now. Very good, very good, <laughs> Beth. But there are two midnights, actually. Did you know that? Nope. Yeah. <clears throat> There's the clock midnight, which would be at, right when the clock switches over to 12 a.m. And there's solar midnight. In ancient Rome, midnight was literally right between sunset and sunrise. And it is what's called solar midnight. And is that why it was a midsummer night stream? No, I feel like that was just because it was in the middle of summer and nighttime. And <laughs> Shakespeare's like, hmm, let's let's talk about dreams. Was it Shakespeare or was it Shakespeare's wife? Until I uh, see some actual credit, I'm going to call it Shakespeare because that's the author's name on the transcript. <laughs> Okay, so I couldn't find information about if and when it corresponds to our area or any area on Earth. I imagine there's a time, at least every once in a while, that you will hit midnight at 12 o'clock uh, a.m. But I could not find anything. And you'd think that with all the star charts and the tracking, you can find out when the space station is going to be above your house which is still really day. fun to look for when it's clear it really night is, but you can't find out oh well is this is this a thing okay so that's because solar midnight is when the sun is close to the nadir and what the nadir is is when the sun is directly below your location okay okay so like uh, when the sun's directly above you it's at its zenith please the nadir 12 noon no and yes <laughs> so on to noon this is actually what got me on this topic uh, why is it called noon who the hell made that name up that was the initial question that I've had since you know thought about it it's like noon what what does that mean and it the word like moon well it does and we love rhyming words right we, now we do but it has nothing to do with that it's a der derivative from Latin. Nona ora. Say that again. Nona ora. Nona ora. Yeah. Which translates to the ninth hour. Oh, you just made a face and tilted your head like the dog when he's all like, you got a treat. What is it? Okay. You see, the Roman day actually began at 6 o'clock a.m. That's way too early. At the equinox. Okay. So that's when... The summer equinox? They, either equinox. 
but that's when they would set their clocks. I thought there was four equinox. Or is there not? I don't know. I didn't study equinoxes, I guess. Me neither. Damn it. So, but like in ancient times, noon would have been at 3 o'clock p.m. Okay? It's nine hours past six. You following me so far? I am. I can do this kind of math. Good. So, in English, the word noon evolved to mean just midday. And it lost its ninth hour meaning. And in like the 12th century... Three o'clock started to kind of work its way back, okay? And by the uh, 14th century, it was 12 noon. So all of a sudden, noon means not the ninth hour, but it's the, I guess that would be the sixth hour, but not because... Okay, so when did the world come under one clock? That's much later, and that's not what I'm going to talk on actually here. Okay. Uh, I'll mention something after I'm done, though. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, you're good. So solar noon, as you might have guessed, it's when the sun is... Directly above your head. Pretty much. It's at its highest point above the horizon. In a given place, on a given day. And solar noon is... When the moon is directly below me. No. Solar noon... High noon, punk. Midnight. No, it's high noon! It's high. You want to have a gunfight, you do it at high noon. I don't want to have a gunfight. I'd because, lose. Because you have a gunfight at high noon because that's there's no advantage for either participant. A good gunfighter will fight with the sun to his back. I still feel that I'd lose in the old a West. gunfight. Well, that's a good thing that you're not in any gunfights. So each year, there are only four days when the elapsed time from the from one solar noon to the next solar noon, from one day to the next is actually exactly 24 hours. Is it in the four seasons? Um, well, in the current epoch, which would be an astronomical word that means like it's a measure of distance and time because things change, okay? But right now in the current epoch that we live in, um, the dates are February 11th, May 13th, July 25th, and November 3rd. Okay? So basically a winter month a spring month, a summer month, and an autumn month. But this only happens at one line of longitude at each individual event. So remember that the Earth is divided into a grid work for navigation purposes. Yes. So it only happens in one spot. And it varies year to year because the Earth here is slightly different with every orbit. Which, thank goodness for GPS, because if I had to chart by stars and such, I would be so completely lost. Get yourself a sex tent. (laughs) Yeah. Folks, I almost paused it. (laughs) No, just kidding. Like, but there's other things, like the influence of other planets' gravity changes when this will happen. Well, and doesn't the moon affect the tides and such? Yes, but those have nothing to do with... I'm trying to be the, astronomical wow. here. You're doing a great job. The moon's a satellite, like a GPS satellite. You could you could navigate by moonlight if it was bright enough. No, no, I couldn't. You could just see where you were going. Not always. It was a full moon. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even think about leap year. Every four years we have a leap year. And that's not an accurate... Boom, yep, yep, we added... One fourth of one day every year. So, no, it doesn't work that way. It's slightly different. 
there are slight variations. That's why 2016 was one second longer. Thank goodness 2016 is over. I I didn't die. They took so many celebrities. Oh, stop. <clears throat> the longest times between noon are on June 20th. Um, that'll be 24 hours and 13 seconds. Oh, my goodness. And December 21st, which will be 24 hours and 30 seconds. They're just trying to make it that much longer till Santa Claus comes. You're so right. But there's shortest distance between noons, and they're on March 25th. Which March be is a good month. 24 hours minus 18 seconds. Side note there, listeners. March is my birthday month. I need a whole month to celebrate. Yeah, you don't. You think, but you don't. And September 13th. 24 hours minus 22 seconds. Now, there's something brand new to me. This is very exciting. I'm very excited. Are you very excited? I love learning things. Do you love learning things? I do. I hope it's not over my head. What about a diplidoscope? Never heard of it. Not a diplodocus. We're not talking paleontology. No, it's a device invented to determine true noon for a given location. So, what you do is you take this device, and it's a telescope and a prism. And basically, you would point it at the sun. It's not even electronic? Oh, no. This was invented in, like, the 19th century. They didn't even have electronics then. Is there an electronic version of it now? It's called, you disappoint me. <laughs> you don't need to do this anyways. Someone does it for you. Your phone updates all by itself. It's magic. Woohoo! It's magic, really. I love magic. But the prism makes a double image of the sun. And when the images overlap, it's local true noon, which would be solar noon. And it was accurate to within 10 seconds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And this was invented by, like, one of the guys was a clockmaker. And it was invented pretty much so people could set their clocks. But the other guy was not a clockmaker. He was... No, he wasn't a chronologist. He, ah, I can't remember what he was. I'm just super glad we don't have to wind our clocks because I'd be forever not on time because I would forget to wind my clock. <laughs> now, there is some confusion with the AMPM thing. Like, they're a bit ambiguous, okay? Especially for travel purposes. Like, like let's, Time zones? We'll, we'll talk about those in just a minute. Just calm down. When do we have clocks and time and universal and all that? We'll get there in just a sec. Sorry. But I'm that'll be off the cuff again. because I didn't research time zones here. You know stuff. I know some stuff. Um, but like, okay, let's say I tell you I'm going to be at the airport. My plane lands Tuesday at midnight. When do you show up? Well, I'd show up at 11 because I was so excited to see you. Which day? Would you show up Monday or Tuesday at 11? Would you show up Monday at 11 so you hit Tuesday at midnight? Yeah. Or would you? Are you sure? Because it causes a lot of problems. Because midnight's not a thing. There is no midnight a.m. or p.m. It's ambiguous. It's just a midnight's moment. Midnight's 12. Okay. But which one is it? That's the problem they run into. So that's why plane tickets Well, I hadn't thought about tickets, that, but now my mind's churning. Yeah. That's why they'll be printed as 11.59 p.m. or 12.01 a.m. Just to eliminate that confusion. Or they'll be printed with, like, a date. Or they'll say Saturday slash Sunday. So it'd be a time. Saturday... Saturday night, Sunday morning. Gotcha. Right. Now, there there's a... You know, 
several suggestions on how to get around this. Like one of them is use just a 24-hour clock and start at zero, 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 Military zero. time. Yes. That's one of the ways they propose to get around it. But I also saw it wrote out with like 12 with a capital M and 12 with a lowercase m. I'm like, well, that doesn't make it any easier. No. You just eliminate, eliminate the A and P and capitalize the letter. But they are trying to, you know, make things simpler for people. Speaking of clocks. Time zones? No, not time zones. This goes back to an earlier subject about what we're teaching our children at school. Okay. Getting our kids to read a regular clock, not a digital clock, is not a thing anymore unless you teach them at home. That's true. But to be fair with our kids, our clocks have Roman numerals. Yeah, they aren't just one, two. Or, or like your Elvis Presley clock doesn't even have numbers on it. It doesn't. You're like, just guess! It's beautiful, though. You're it's got wrong. a huge picture of Elvis on it, which it was his birthday yesterday, just so everybody knows. As of the time of our recording. When you listen to this, it might not have been his birthday yesterday. But we are happy that he had a birthday because Elvis rocks. Well, he's the king. Sorry, I side-tripped us a whole bunch there. That's all right. <laughs> I'm sure Elvis traveled through a bunch of time zones. And time zones became a thing actually after railroads. Because... That's what brought about time that, zones? That is what brought about time zones. I didn't research this. I'm just going from memory here. But basically, all the towns would set their clock to noon at noon. At 12 noon, not high noon. Okay? So, when it's midday sun in your town and you have your uh, didalitoscope. What the hell was the name of it? Didalitoscope. <laughs> not Dilophosaurus, I know that. But they would set the clock to noon by that. And when the train was coming, okay... If you're going north and south, it's no big deal. If you're going from Nebraska to Texas, it doesn't matter. The sun's always going to be going around you. It's but the east and west. That's thing. right. If you're going from San Francisco to Chicago, you're going to run into problems. Well, those aren't straight across. It's still east to west, though, because the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. It tracks I know, and you've been telling me that sky. for a long time, and I so, still... Even in grade school, I learned never eat soggy waffles. But unless I'm at our house, I cannot tell you which direction is which. Well, basically what I'm telling you, though, is that if you leave San Francisco at 6 o'clock in the evening and you're heading towards Chicago, okay, it's getting much darker much faster because you're going the opposite direction of the sun. So it really messes up train schedules. Because trains run on time. Thus, jet, jet lag. Oh, yes. Jet lag is a big thing. But think about, at that point in time... They... I guess it would have been called train lag then? Probably. I don't know. Good question. Of course, they had much nicer accommodations than those trains, I suppose. Unless you were a hobo. <laughs> but what, what could happen... If you're a hobo, are you really worried about getting there on time? Ah, good question. Uh, but still, if you're going from here to there and there's another train coming and you're scheduled to stop at this station at 5 o'clock, your time, and this other train is scheduled to stop there at 5 o'clock, their time, you're not going to arrive at that station in the middle at the same time. Which I guess also plays out in this day and age with 
airplanes. Right. Absolutely. Because you can actually, you can go back in time here. Yes. On New Year's Day, you can go back to New Year's Eve. Because time zones are crazy, cool, stupid, whatever you want to call them. We crossed time time zones on our honeymoon, and it messed up my whole eating schedule. Mountain time jacked my wife up. It did. Not to mention the high altitude. (laughs) All right, folks. On that note, um, if you want to get in touch with us, we are alcohuh at gmail.com. We have a Facebook and a Twitter page that you can also look up alcohuh and find us. I would look up alcohuh podcast, I think. It might be a little easier to find us that way. Or you can Google us. I did that. You can find us. (laughs) You Googled us. (laughs) I did. And we love feedback. Um, Whatever podcatcher you listen to us on, um, if you would would give us a thumbs up on Stitcher, all you got to do is click the little three dots and it'll show you a little thumbs up. Just click that for us on iTunes. Give us some stars. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you think. We'll probably read it on the air. We might make fun of you, but in a positive way. Seriously, super positive. <laughs> I haven't made fun of Casey on here yet. Hi, Casey. Thanks for listening. Robin, we still love you, too. Oh, oh, is that your favorite listener ever? You better not be playing favorites. But we bid you a fond farewell. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And we'll see you next time. Cheers.